I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome in to an episode of the It's You Tell World podcast. Tom Hackett, Steve Barter with you as always. Nate Wade Subaru is our sponsor, 1207 South Main Street. Without them, this whole thing would not be possible. Now, before we get into it, uh, at sbartle 247 is where you can find Tim, utone.com, seven-day free trial if you're a junkie. Ute junkie at that. You're a fool if you're not a member. Uh, because it's where the junkies hang. It's where the... Uh, yeah, the they cra- do. The crazies. Yeah, there's message yep. boards. You can ask Steve questions. He'll respond. Conversation. Plenty. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, it depends if, if he's busy or not. But uh, golf does take up a lot of his time. He has a spare, do- a spare dog. Did you like that? He has a dog now. I'm so sorry. Yeah. How dare you, Tom? Spotly, I'm glad you didn't hear that. Tyler, nice to finally meet you, Huntley. Uh, right. <laughs> At Tom Carnack, it's where you can find me. Caselsports.com is also some of my work. Steve, we got a, we got actually kind of a cool show today. It's, it's this time of year that, 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 that yeah, it's a bit stagnant from a from a football standpoint. Obviously, the draft concludes, and now most of the the, the subject or the narrative, I should say, kind of moves on to kind of you know, who's going to stick around in the NFL, who's going to get cut. Uh, rookie mini camps get underway not this weekend but next or maybe it's this weekend I forget but it's soon college football it's all pretty stagnant at the minute and then towards the end of summer it starts to pick up again because fall camps just around the corner the health of players etc 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 but for now this is kind of like I guess if you were to go on a vacation Steve this is probably the time to do that if if you work in the industry. love vacations you work in the Love industry, it. this is a good time to go on a vacation. I'm sure your boss will allow and understand that uh, there is no better time year-round than right now. So uh, it also means we can have a bit of fun on, on the podcast. Uh, and we will talk draft, but let's start with, uh, I guess, the breaking news from earlier this week that Mark Harlan dropped, uh, and that is Wisconsin. Home and uh, what, what do they call that now? Home and home is that what they call these now? Yeah. Home and home. Oh yeah. Even though it yes feels sir, like it home and be, home series should be home and away series. Anyway, I digress. Steve, uh, what we're waiting? What a decade? How long are we waiting for the first one? Uh, <laughs> I, I it clicked in my head what you said. Home and away. Yeah, it should be called a home and away series. But uh, <laughs> home and home Utah, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I think, yeah, uh, Utah and Skansen are going to uh, kick off, what is it? I think September. I think they've got like the day down, but it, it, they, they kick off in Madison, Wisconsin, so it'll be a road trip in 2028, and then Skansen will return to Salt Lake City uh, for, uh, for Utah's home game uh, in 2033, so... Uh, I'm going to be – what? how old am I? I'm 32. Carry the eight minus what, that. Seven years. And, uh, so you're going to be 38, 39. Th- yeah, yeah, 39 in 2028. How old will I be in 2033? Uh, well, that's – 43. I'll be 43. Yeah, wow. Scary. Holy cow. Right? That's math, right? I think math works. they say not to do math on air, but we did. Um, yeah, yeah that's, sorry. That's not, that's crazy. I, I, so I want to play a game and we'll, we'll go into it. I, I, and I'll let you, uh, Steve, think about it, but I'd also like for our, our listeners, and although this isn't a radio show and you, and you can't you know, call in live, you can at least ponder the thought why we, 
why we divert conversation to another topic before getting back to that. But but seven years from now, who will be the head coach of the Utah football team? I think that's a that's an interesting question to talk about. Uh, and that's going to be most of uh, the subject on today's podcast. Um, but in the meantime, it's it's also worth noting, you know, uh, without breaking down rosters and everything, because we will have no idea who's going to be playing for either team. I mean, <laughs> I, I do think it's worth conversation, Steve, to, to kind of dive in for a second and discuss um, the importance of, of, of getting a, a team like Wisconsin on. On, on the radar and down the road. I mean, the, so you, you, you've done Florida, if you might, Carlin, you've done Arkansas, uh, LSU, I think you've also accomplished, and now you're going to throw the badges on them. I mean, that, that's, that's pretty bloody impressive, considering Utah for so many years. I mean, it was 20 years ago that if you were a student at the U, you could get four free tickets to any home game and half the stadium was empty. I mean, it's just it hasn't been that long that Utah football's been kind of relevant and even in and I, I love you Utah fans but even now they're not really that relevant still uh, when you compare them to other programs and Mark Harlan is, is doing a tremendous job of, of putting some big dogs on the uh, schedule Steve. Well I think it says a lot about Utah's you know the, the relevancy of the program now and where it's at now that they're able to schedule these home and homes Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, it, it's not, you know, it's never going to be, you know, Utah's never going to be a headlining program, but still they've, they've done enough for the, over the last five years where, you know, they can schedule Florida, they can schedule Baylor and Arkansas and LSU and get home and homes. Like, I think it's, it's incredible that they've been able to schedule these and get them, you know, on, uh, on the docket for, <laughs> for Utah. It's incredibly exciting. Um, you know, you've got Florida next season uh, and the season after that, 2022 and 2023. You got Baylor in 23 and, and 2024, and then Arkansas in 26 and 29, LSU in 31 and 32, and then Wisconsin in 28 and 33. That's, you know, that's a pretty impressive list of games on Utah's schedule over the next, what, 11 years. Um Man, shout out to Mark Harlan for, you know, getting done what a lot of fans have wanted since uh, Dr. Hill uh, gave us a, a little taste of what it's like. Just a little taste, a little taste with that Michigan series. And now Mark Harlan is like, look, you guys want it? Here, you can have it. Name your program. I'll get it done. And now, you know, you like we said, Florida, Baylor, Arkansas, LSU, and now Wisconsin – um, got a little bit of everything in there. I, I love that the fact that they've you know added programs from you know back east uh, with you know heavy representation from the SEC. Uh, you've got now the Big Ten and Big Twelve represented as well. So uh, just uh, an incredible job. It's exciting. I think the most exciting aspect of this is you know the opportunity for fans to road trip and to visit a lot of these places like. You always see it on CBS and ESPN because they love SEC football. Um, but, you know, you get to go to a place like the Swamp, the storied stadium of the Florida Gators, the Swamp. Like, you get to experience that humidity and that nastiness. I'm about that, Tom. I'm excited mm. to experience that. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to drip in Florida, baby. Get my drip on. I'm trying to sweat. Get real drippy up in here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think a couple things. Uh, I think a couple things, Steve. Um, I think Utah as a program, if they do, if they do, if they're serious, like dead serious about about trying to become as nationally recognized as possible, which will in turn help recruiting, exposure, et cetera, et cetera, then they have to get past the fact that they can play in, in their non-conference schedule. They can play BYU and another Power 5 team. Um, yeah. I know Coach Whittingham, at least when I was around, and maybe this has changed, he was never he was never a fan, and, and he would always direct Dr. Hill to, to not put a Power 5 team on the schedule, which is why when Michigan came along, it was very rare. Although, when you look back on those times, we played Michigan – 
the years we didn't play BYU, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think I think that's that's kind of an old school train of thought. I think yeah. BYU is not the team they used to be. I understand that there's a lot of emotion. The, there's a lot of built-up energy that goes into the BYU game, but I think you also have to realize that the rivalry just isn't what it was back in the day because BYU is not as good. And I'm sorry to BYU fans if you listen to this podcast, but it's just the truth. Utah's excelled. The Pac-12's helped that. Uh, Keep going, Tom. For a few years, the grass wasn't greener for Utah when they joined the Pac-12. Trust me, I experienced it firsthand. That that was hard. It was hard going. Now we're at a point where Utah under Carl Whittingham, will more than likely compete for the Pac-12 South title year in and year out, regardless of how uh, young or, or lack of experience their roster may be. That's just the – I think that's the truth, um, and I think BYU fans deep down know that. But I also think that that if Carl Whittingham hasn't changed the way he's thought of the conference – the non-conference, sorry, schedule – then I think he's he's wrong, and I think he needs to adapt and realize that you can have BYU, you can also have a Power Five team, uh, and 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 it will benefit your program. Assuming obviously you win, that's obviously that obviously helps. But but yeah, I think we're at a point now where that that can happen, which is which is good. Which it, because I mean, like if you think about it, last year, and I know this didn't happen, but my God, uh, I, I shouldn't say the G word. My gosh. Uh, Oregon, we're going to host. Sorry, that that kind of threw me for a minute. I've, I'm in Australia all of a sudden. I've got to be more respectful. I'm so sorry. Uh, Oregon was going to host Ohio State, Steve. Yeah, that's cool. Like that's yeah. that's the sort of stuff that fans want to see. And that that yeah. ESPN, CBS, ABC, NBC, all of the big big markets that that that. Millions of people watch on the daily. I mean, that's the sort of stuff they talk about. And if Utah wants to be involved, then they're going to have to go out. And they have. And I think that's great. I think that's awesome. Mark Allen's done a tremendous job. It's really, really cool that they've been able to go out and, and get teams like they have, I think. And that's yeah. cool. Uh, anything else you want to add, Steve, before no, we go on to the head coach? Completely agree with you, Tom. I think it's, um, you know, you talked about the the Oregon Ohio State game. I think Washington had Michigan on the schedule. That's um, right. ASU ASU played Michigan State two years ago, and so I think you know it's it's these types of games um, that not only help, not only will help Utah's program, but the perception around the Pac-12 conference in general. And I think Utah is one of the the top teams in the Pac-12. And they're starting to schedule like it, which is exciting. And, you know, you look at the roster and we do this all the time at Ute Zone, you know, looking at the talent, the recruiting rankings, which you know, obviously it's it's uh, it's objective, you know, in, in how we view talent. Um, but you just look at it and Utah's improved just in, in every facet, nearly at every position in terms of the talent that they've recruited into the program. Um, you see it just over time gradually get better and better and so you know it's 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 pretty cool that they're starting to you know schedule these teams uh that you know we'll we'll get an opportunity to start seeing how utah you know where utah really stacks up as a program starting next season you know with the florida gators uh it's man it's it's incredibly exciting um and you know just just awesome awesome to see it yeah, you can tell the energy from the fan base has also kind of risen since the announcement of Wisconsin was made. I think something else that I always try and bring up when we talk non-conference, Steve, is um, is, is schedule teams where where you recruit. Um, yeah. Either way you – so I think you can take it two ways, right, because people will then go, well, what about Wisconsin? So you either have to schedule a team that's uh, a big enough name that will attract national attention or you schedule teams that – within kind of the, the, the main recruiting hubs. Um, and I don't know if many, many recruits in Wisconsin, uh, or I don't know if many assistant coaches at Utah really know much about the Wisconsin high school football. Uh, but, you know, that's a, that's a game that'll probably attract a national entities to, to talk about. So, so I think it's one of the, and if you can do both like Florida, then awesome. Yeah. Well, and it's it's not just the areas that you recruit; it's the teams that you compete against, right? And and Utah is starting to compete with you know Wisconsin for for kids out of Texas and the, in the Midwest. Utah's mm-hmm. been recruiting against Baylor for years, recruiting against against Arkansas and Florida, and, and now with Chad Bumpus, you know, in the building and his ties to the South, 
like Utah is going to be, you know, competing with Florida for a handful more of, of kids every year. So, you know, it's, it's not just the, the territories, the areas, but it's the, the programs that you compete against as well, which is why these games are so important. Yeah, no, you met, that's, that's a tremendous point, Steve. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't even really think about that, to be fair. But if you're a kid, high school kid, you're waiting, got an offer from Wisconsin, you got an offer from Utah, Utah beats Wisconsin in Madison. You go, well. You got the bragging rights. You got the why, bragging rights. You know, why am I going to Wisconsin, man? I'm, I want to win. Yeah. I'm trying to win. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, you get the bragging rights. So that's that's fine. That's good. That's a good point. Um, all right. Uh, I feel like we're going to spend reasonable time on this next subject. And, and hopefully our listeners who were teased about it earlier have had a chance to think. So just scream as loud as you can right now. Hopefully we'll hear you. We can pick up on it. But Steve, uh, I want to, I guess, preface the, this conversation uh, because I imagine this will be the subject that I write uh, a piece on, on, on kslsports.com. And I, I, I don't want to offend anybody because I, I often do that these days. I, I'm a very <laughs> offensive human and I mean every bit of my offense and i hope uh, i hope everybody hates me all the time now no apologies don't want people to think that we are slighting kyle whittingham here because we're not we're just going to assume he's retired because uh, what seven years from now i mean the old man will have a walking stick for crying out loud and i say that in a loving way steve would be Whoa. 68 he'll be 68 but he doesn't he, he won't need a cane He'll be, he could be 102. He wouldn't need a cane. I tease, I tease. But, um, but in all seriousness, I, he, may, he may still be there. I really hope he's not for his own mental health. I hope he's gone. Go travel the world, you old man. You have so much money. Just live. Go ride one. your motorcycle, man. Go oh, golf and just, motorcycle. Ride. No, live. You've, ne- you haven't, you've never lived. You've always just coached. And, and I get it. You're passionate about it. But. But gosh, there's more to life than coaching. I, I, I'm sorry to break that news. But anyway, so yes, we're gonna we're gonna assume that he's not there. We're gonna assume he's retired. That Utah's won the Pac-12 championship. They've gone to the Rose Bowl. They've won the Rose Bowl. And Carl Whittingham has decided that you know what? I've accomplished everything that I had set out to. I like this scenario. 45, 50 years ago. I like I'm this. I'm gonna travel the world, and everybody, yeah. everybody applauds. Uh, and flowers are left at the facility, even though he hasn't died. And a statue goes up, and everybody's happy. And and now Utah has a new head coach, Steve. Who is that new head coach? Oh my gosh! I was not ready for the question to be asked like that. I was I was enjoying that dream scenario, man. That was great. I was I was picturing the size of Kyle Whittingham's ring or rings, I should say, when he uh-huh. wins them. Because I mean, they're going to be. They're going to be huge. He's going to set off metal detectors before even walking yeah. through them. Like he's, Bat. it's going to be Bat. a ring. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> well, maybe without, I guess, asking you who, maybe like who are the, who are some of the candidates? Maybe we'll start there. Like like some of the key candidates. There are obviously like a, a handful of of obvious answers, right? Yeah, like uh, Morgan Scally. Yep. He's an obvious one. Jay Hill. I think is you Jay in there. Kalani Sataki. Love me some we gotta, we got to appease the BYU listeners that listen to the podcast because hey, you, you, you know, know they do. You know I'm a fan of, of, of old KS. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a dude, old KS. I think he would thrive at Utah, and I've always felt that way. Uh, and I think, I think any coach that coaches at BYU is handcuffed, and I think they know that, and I know that they can't admit that. But my word, I can tell you, Kalani Kalani would do uh, do more at Utah than he would at BYU. Anyway, who, so so they're probably the main obvious ones. Is there anybody that we're, we're, we're missing? Um, what about that Stanford defensive coordinator that's LDS? Shaw, what's his name? Uh, yeah, no, not a, not not David Shaw. No, um, he's the D. Let me let me Google it quickly. Hey, what about? I wonder if Sharif Shaw it would ever be a candidate. I I could get behind Sharif Shaw. Oh, I could man. do that. I could I do could that. Too. Seven years from now, that's a lot of it's a lot of growth, a lot yeah. of progress to be made as a coach. I can see it. Lance Anderson. Anderson. Oh man, I wasn't even close. Lance Anderson could. Uh, I think he could be a candidate. To be honest, he's he's been. He's been just He's been at steadily Stanford for years. Yeah, but David Shaw's a pretty good dude to base a football team around. 
And if he's kind of coming coming from David Shaw and knowing his program inside and out, considering the length he spent at Stafford, I mean, it might not be a, a horrible answer to, to, to Utah's next head coach. Yeah. I'll, uh, uh, how crazy would it be for Utah to hire Andy Reid as, as the coach? Oh, dude, it, <laughs> it would be the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Oh, my BYU's dream scenario, and he comes to Utah. Ah, forget I about like, I would for, laugh. Forget about like you know having like a country club membership in his contract. Like, just just give him cheeseburgers, man. Just give let, him a country club. Just let him have. Just let him own an In and Out franchise. Or oh a, yeah, that too. Well, he needs some ribs. Yeah, we got whatever. a we got an R and R. And I'm around here yeah. somewhere. We got some barbecue we can feed him. Bam, bam bams. bams. There you go. Um, yeah, imagine that. Andy Reid to Utah football. My goodness. The, right. the riots in Provo would be fun. <laughs> oh, good. I'd be down there in a heartbeat. Egging him <laughs> uh, Here's one for you. What about Dan Mullen? I, I, I oh, man. Oh, I would love torn. to see it. I would love to see it. But I just. He's in the SEC, man. Hold on. Seven years from now, there's a good chance he's not at Florida. Oh, that's a good point. We are talking seven years from now. Seven years from Ooh. now, there's a good chance he's not at Florida. And I can see it. I like years. Dan Mullen. I like Dan Mullen. What if Dan Mullen Throw him on places? there. Wow. Yeah, I like that. Would then, Brian Johnson return? I was just going to say the same thing. I I think he might. I think he would. He why wouldn't he? I mean, his wife's from here. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure she would be more than keen to come back. Mm. Oh, that, that, oh. Who's so, going to be the coach at Utah State in seven years? I think that's the question we need to be asking ourselves. Utah State. So here's the thing. I um, before, before the whole scandal came down with uh, – scandal's the wrong word. Well, who's the coach that, that – so there was bloody – Anderson, and then who was before him that went to Texas Tech again? Matt Wells. So Matt Wells, he was kind of on thin ice the year Jordan Love actually did a few good things, and then he got the job at Texas Tech, and then Jordan Love came back and stunk it up under Anderson. And Anyway, the year before, they actually were okay, so it would have been the last year of Matt Wells' career at Utah State. I heard rumblings that if if that season didn't go to plan – and they didn't make a bowl game or something, that Brian Johnson was on the radar to take over as the head coach of Utah State. Now, obviously, that didn't Ooh. happen. That, right. So I, so either the, the news I heard was just wrong or they were interested. It's just they, turned, it, they, they decided that Gary Anderson was the, was the better role, better man for the job, considering the boosters basically – threatened the administration saying if you hire anybody else but Gary we won't spend money so I don't know but interesting I think nonetheless that that even if there's no truth to it we'll never know that but uh, but somebody did tell me that that he was good that he was being considered so maybe Brian Johnson would still be a candidate for Utah State I guess yeah yeah interesting so, I did uh, that's interesting does Alex <clears throat> Smith coach now no way no. He's done. Uh, yeah, he's I think he's I think he said it pretty emphatically. He has no desire to coach. None. Not a No, no, so I understand why he would say that. Uh but I don't believe he'll he'll feel that way forever. And yeah, I was just about to say we are talking 7 years from now. So this is these are things that we have to consider. You never know what could what could happen. What could click? Maybe, you know, he's growing up with his son He's coaching football, little peewee league, and he just he falls in love with it. And he's like, I could be a head coach of the University of Utah football program. Maybe maybe that happens in the next seven years. Alex Smith, to me, is the sort of guy that um, it, if Carl Whittingham does retire in five years' time and Alex Smith has, has not gotten into coaching, he's the sort of guy that's had the sort of experience for such a long time where you go – I don't care that he hasn't coached yet. He's our head coach. How much? He's Alex Smith. Yeah, like 
Oh, you're sorry, you didn't. You weren't a GA mopping floors for two years. Ah, you probably can't. You probably can't become a head coach then. Like to me, that's the dumbest thing. I'm sorry, but but, but like seriously, coaches are so. I've had I've had conversations with Jay Hill over the years, and I'm like, coach, I'm just waiting for you to get a half decent job that actually pays well, and then I'm just waiting for a phone call, and I'll be a special teams coordinator. You can pay me a quarter million dollars, and he's like, well, Tom. And I'm, I, of course, I say that tongue in cheek. But if it happened, you know, I, I certainly would. I mean, you would take it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll throw it yeah. out there. Uh, but the odds of it, happen. he goes, "Well, Tom, you probably have to, like, you probably have to, like, do be a GA or something." I'm like, "What? Why? Like, what? What do you think I'm going to learn as a GA? Going to get you bloody monster energy drinks every thirty minutes, you psycho? Like, get out of here! I don't need to do that. I can tell you who's a good punter, who's a good kicker. I can play them. I can develop them. And I can tell people how to tackle. And we can do drills. And it'll all be peachy. And we'll, we'll win games on special teams. But why do I have to be a GA? I'm not doing it. It's so stupid. I hate that about college football. These coaches are so stuck. And you know what I think it is, Steve? I think, no. they're, I think, they're, so, I think they're so bitter that they had to endure that themselves, that they're not willing. They're too prideful, you see, because coaches are all prideful and you know, full of dignity. But but that they can't fathom the thought that the younger generation, the selfish younger millennials that are that are changing this world for the worse wouldn't do the same thing. Yeah, like, like Shaquille O'Neal and Rudy Gobert. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting as you're talking about this. Like, Shaq's just sitting up on his chair on TNT set complaining about Rudy and his contract, like, because he's bitter. Because, yeah. he, because you know, Rudy's a young millennial making a bazillion dollars. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Tom. I'm with you. Why do we have to go through this whole process of GAs and then, you know, interns and then, you know, I don't know. I don't know the ladder, the coaching ladder. What's after a GA? I couldn't tell you. Just is that pe- something you can Google? Uh, but probably can we do like math? Peasant. Maybe peasant's the term I would use. <laughs> um, that makes sense. I understand it, Steve, for somebody that, like, hasn't spent time within a college football environment, you know, because you get guys that are just, like, football junkies that, you know, just can't get enough of it. And they're like, I just want to coach. And I love that. I think that's awesome. If, if you weren't good enough to play – that doesn't mean you still can't get into coaching and be a successful coach, in my opinion. I mean, Bill Belichick never played, I don't think. So, I mean, like, he's the greatest coach of all time. Uh, so it just goes to show that. So so in that case, then, yeah, maybe a GA. Yeah, if Alex well. Smith, yes. If Alex Smith wants to coach someday, sign him as the head coach right now. Okay, you do seriously, it. Seriously, thank you. Thank you. Goodness gracious. Like, it, oh. Because be- five minutes. Five minutes to get to that point. How did we get to yeah, – how did it take That was a so fun long? journey. That was a fun journey to go on, Tom. But, yeah, yeah, if Alex Smith ever wants to coach, you hire him on the spot. The man's lucky to be alive, for crying out loud. The least you can do is pay him $4 million to be the head honcho at Utah. For the least sake. you could do. So, all right, Alex Smith's the head coach. You know who he, you know who he calls first? Obviously. Eric Weddle. Yeah, duh, Fred. I mean, <laughs> like we're trying to become Alabama here, so we need good recruits. Eric Weddle will play. Uh, oh. Then, then what do you do? Like, like, sure, they had some good offensive linemen that played in the league, right, for a long time. So that, that could, Jordan Gross, Grossy boy, come on in, big boy, let's go. Could you imagine the all-star cast of coaches at Utah in seven years? So it's going to be, be incredible. Who would it, it be? So, so this is a good game because I. I'm a believer, that personally, Steve, and I think you agree. Recruiting is the name of the game. If I agree. Have, if you have Eric Weddle and Alex Smith showing up to your home, and then you've got Tim Smith and Jared Allen from uh, from UCLA showing up to, to your home, I have a pretty good feeling that just naturally you're, you're going to be drawn towards Eric Weddle and Alex Smith. So, so if Utah could put together a dream cast of coaches, that's a that's a pretty good start. Yeah, that's a pretty good start. Who I'm trying to think who. So Jordan Gross would be on there. Yeah, I think like if we're putting together an all star cast, Alex Smith, head okay. coach. 
Yes, like it. Offensive coordinator. I want um, – can't say Brian Johnson because he wouldn't come back for an offensive coordinator role. It would have to be somebody like Travis Wilson or something. Could Travis Wilson – do you think in seven years he could progress as a coach? No. Okay. Uh, well, Tra- take Travis him and off I, the... Travis and I are only friends because I do all of the talking. Uh, he doesn't know – he doesn't. He can't string a sentence together. So, no, he doesn't know how to communicate. Uh, and if you can't communicate, you can't coach. So, uh, Travis is not making it past the first round of interviews, Steve. <laughs> Love you, Travis. He's Love you, big dog. Show up, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Love you, big dog. Let's go skateboard. Think, I'm trying to think who. Um, uh, we have to have had another offensive weapon outside of Alex Smith. Ooh, what about Troy Williams? I like the reason. Troy. The reason. The reason I say this, you know, he's from he's from Los Angeles. He has his own Adidas commercial. Sure, he didn't make it to the league. But he was a top recruit who really got his chance at Utah. And a lot of guys love him. I think he could be a guy in seven years where, you know, he puts together an offensive scheme. I could get behind that. Yeah. with Especially with the guidance of Alex Smith and his, you know, quarter of a, a billion uh, dollars in the NFL. He could yeah. put to, those two could put together a scheme. Can you uh, further detail the Adidas commercial? He has, he's on an Adidas commercial? Yeah. You haven't seen it, bro? No, I haven't seen he, it. He runs fast. Yeah, he runs Troy fast. Troy Williams? You're talking about the, the the quarterback? Yeah, Troy Williams. Smiley. Yeah. Smiley wow. on Twitter. I, That's okay, his, I'm going to yeah. Google this. I, where have I, where Dude, have I, I can't believe you haven't seen it. No, when, I when he no committed, idea. When he committed, that was like the first thing that we highlighted. It wasn't even like his 24-7 sports profile. It was his... It was his commercial. Oh, okay. So it's an old commercial. It's not new. Yeah. 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 Okay, it's, right. Yeah. It's not new. Okay. It's not no, new. Still, but I don't know. I don't I still don't think I've seen it. So I need to go back and look. Really says something about you as a player. If you got your own commercial. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. So Alex Smith, head coach, Troy Williams and his recruiting ties. Remember that's the key to Troy Williams His recruiting ties to Los Angeles. Yep. Um, defensive coordinator, Eric yeah, right. Weddle. Yeah. Okay. Defense is going to be way easier to, to figure out, by the way. Like, I agree. Yeah. I, I think defense, you could, you could, we could do it right now if we wanted to. So linebacker, you'd throw Sly, uh, maybe. Ooh. Would you have linebacker? You got some options here. You could do Sly. You could do Gianni Paul, who should have been the defensive player of the year in the Pac 12. He got snubbed. But he wasn't. He was robbed. Yeah. You got Cody Barton. He'll probably still be in the league in seven years. Yeah, maybe. Um, Although if he's not, Jared Norris. Jared Norris. He's still He, he just playing. got engaged, I think. I saw that on Instagram. Yeah, Shout out to Jared Norris. Yeah, congratulations, Chuck. He also just signed a new deal with uh, the Washington football team. Washington football team. WFT, baby. Yeah. Um, Defensive line would be obvious. I think yeah, you know, what with, would you do? Uh, personally, I think the obvious answer is Star Lotulele, but I would personally go with the Rattlesnake. Trevor Riley. Rattlesnake. Ooh. Yeah, okay. I'd, I'd go Trevor Riley. Uh just because I've heard I've heard was, some stories about Trevor Riley that cannot be repeated, so, and I think he would be great for the defensive line. I think he would uh yeah, illegally make his way into uh recruiting. Brilliant. Like he, he would certainly yeah. cheat. Uh, and I'm okay with that. Uh, all for it. I'm all for it. If you know, there won't be any rules and regulations in seven years. So who no. cares? Oh, you pro- yeah, you pro- you're probably right. The <laughs> rattlesnake will thrive in seven years. So the rattlesnake's there. And then offense is harder, I guess. So you got gross at offensive line. He'll take that. Um, and then do we go like Jake Murphy? Murphy. I, I, I would say Murphy. I think Murphy would Murph. be a good coach. Yeah. Okay. Murph all right. would be a good coach. Wideouts, Covey, I think. Okay. Oh, I didn't even think of him for offensive coordinator. He, he could, could do. He could. He could be offensive coordinator too. Okay. Okay. But let's, okay. Okay. And then uh, quarterbacks. I guess would you just say Alex Smith would be your uh, your quarterbacks head coach, or Troy Williams could be your quarterbacks coach, offensive yeah. coordinator type thing. Okay. Here's here's what I got. All right. Alex Smith, head coach. Uh, Britton Covey, offensive coordinator. Eric Weddle, defensive coordinator. Alex Smith will coach the quarterbacks because the uh, running backs, I'm actually going to go John White, the Wolfman. Um, yeah, Juan Blanco. 
You know, he's got more nicknames than touchdowns in his career, bro. That's that carries some weight on the recruiting trail. Um, <laughs> wide receiver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't a very good howl. That was more of like a no, Pillsbury yeah. Doughboy. <laughs> you sound like bloody Huntley in the background there. That was Steve, everybody. Goodness gracious. Okay, sorry. Who do you got? <laughs> okay, Covey coaching receivers. Okay, uh, Murph at, wait, at Covey's, tight end. Covey's receivers and offensive coordinator. You can do that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just want to. Okay, okay. Fine. Just want. Okay, yeah. Just want to make sure he's pulling double duty. Okay. Just like just like he does now. He's yeah. He's pulling double time. Um, Murphy at tight end. Jordan Gross uh, at, at left tackle. All okay. right, um, not at left tackle, at offensive line coach. I was going to say, boy, I don't know if the ACLs are going to like that, but uh, we can roll with it. In seven years' time, uh, the NCAA is going to be the wild, wild west. So uh, yeah. who knows what can happen. <laughs> That's all on the offense, isn't it? We're done there? Yeah, that we're yeah. done. We're done. Defense. We're done. Defense. This is where it gets fun. I love the Trevor Riley suggestion. You need okay. You need a guy that's willing to – to do the things you need to do on the recruiting trail that don't get talked about publicly. And he's that's he, he's in the coaching realm at the minute. He's with Utah yeah. on the tight end side with Freddie. But anyway, he's a, he's got some experience. It, yeah, he'll he'll literally fight dudes for yeah. recruits naked. That's what I'm about. That's yeah. whoa whoa. That's so, what I'm about. Yeah, naked uh, linebacker. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, defensive tackle, because uh, that's what Utah does. They do defensive end and defensive tackle coaches because they just have so many linemen. They've got like twenty guys on the roster on the defensive line. Oh, so line you're right going to split them up? You're going to split? I'm going to split them up. Yeah, I want Trevor Riley coaching DNs. I want Star Lotulele mm-hmm. uh, coaching uh, coaching the defensive tackles. I think Star will also be a really good name, you know, to recruit in-state kids. Uh, kind of quiet. Uh, but he's Starlo Tulele. Like, you're not going to say no to him. You don't um, need to talk. Yeah. He's yeah. just like, hey, I'm Star. Come play for Utah. And it's like, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, by the way, he won't say come play for Utah. He'll say you're coming to Utah, and then uh, the kid will have no choice because yeah. his head will be smashed in if he says no. So yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah, we like that. Uh, and, if he, and, yeah, Trevor will be right behind him naked, ready to go as well. Uh, defensive oh. lines, sold. I like that. That's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, dangerous, that's, baby. That's, that's what I'm about. Dangerous. Uh, linebacker, I'm actually going to go with Gianni Paul. I want some recruiting ties to Miami, to Florida. And, and obviously, you know, Gianni Paul comes from the area. A lot of great recruiting ties in the state. I want Gianni Paul. There's a lot of great guys, you know, that have played linebacker um, and, and some other regions. But I like Gianni Paul. Um, cornerback in seven years. Jalen is still going to be a pro bowler. So, you know, he's, he's out of the equation. Um, who could be my cornerbacks coach? You just do this. Oh, well, I was going to say you could do the whole thing for, like, you could do Weddle, cornerback, and D coordinator, but he, he would probably be better suited as a safety, safety. wouldn't he? Yeah, safety, safety coordinator. Yeah, so safety. You could I, do uh, Shaw. You could keep Shaw there. Could Sharif. keep Shaw. Could keep Shaw. I like Dominique Hatfield. Kind of similar. Yeah, yeah. kind of similar. Comes from, you know, played at Crenshaw, you know, in, in Los Angeles. You know, he's a lot of kids when I talk to him during their recruitment, you know, following Hatfield's career, they 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 like Domo. So I think he, you know, that's that's kind of a guy. He's kind of the, the Troy Williams, the 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 route I was trying to take with Troy Williams. I think Dominic Hatfield is that guy. So I'm gonna go Domo. Okay, Domo. I was gonna throw Keith McGill's name out there as well. Ooh. Good one, but, but Good I like. One. I think Domo. I think I think Domo's better communicator than than Keith. I, I love Keith as well, but but yeah, I, I like Domo. Okay, I like Domo and safety. Okay. and uh, Eric Weddle. Okay, Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle, yep. safety and uh, and D coordinator. Dang, dude, that's that's a staff, bro. That is can't a wait staff. to see it in Madison, Wisconsin, baby. Let's go. Very few of them will show up to work every day, but on the days that they all show <laughs> up, a lot of good work will be done. A lot of good work will be done. It'll, it, it'll just be hit and miss. But you know what? When you've got staff that good, you, you can get away with being a little hit and miss. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. That, I think that's cool. I think, I think that's cool. Hey, uh, I, before we get out of here, we should ask uh, our listeners, at sbottle247, at Tom Hackett, tag us. 
with uh, with your with your preferred coaching tree. All star lineup. All star yeah. lineup in seven years' time. Uh, yeah. that, that'll be fun. Um, Steve, what where is it a dead period recruiting? What what's the status there? Where are we at? Yeah, so uh, NCAA is still in a dead period until June first, but after June first, everything kind of gets back to normal. Obviously, with certain protocols in place, but uh, in terms of just the calendar, uh, things return to normal. So you're gonna we're gonna start to see kids, you know, taking visits unofficially and officially. Uh, Utah already has a few scheduled with some guys um, for next month, and so things will. Things will start to get back to normal on the recruiting trail starting next month. That's good to hear. Um, it's been a very positive episode. There have been very little negativity, and I want to end on a positive note, Steve, and that is that, uh, that there was – and I do – I must credit westcoastcollegefootball.com or at West Coast CFB, who I'm sure many of our listeners follow. But they put this out, I, I believe, last week – as the draft approached, um, or it may have been immediately after the draft. I guess it doesn't really matter. Since 2007, uh, Utah's had the second most draft picks in the entire Pac-12, only behind Washington, who uh, who have had t- 24 in, in that same time period. Uh, and Utah didn't have a draft pick at all in this, this recent draft, in the 2021 NFL draft. So, uh, pretty remarkable that uh, despite no draft picks in 2021, they're still ranked second in the Pac-12, only behind Washington in most draft picks over yep. the last five drafts since 2007. And then I guess you have to think about next year's draft and the and the uh, the amount of Utah players that, that that could potentially have their name called. Then Utah may, depending on what Washington does, and it seems like Washington now that Peterson's not at the helm may not be nearly as dominant as they were when he was. And so maybe Utah can can overtake Washington next year and and, and have the most draft picks since uh, 2017 in the entire Pac-12. That's an amazing accomplishment, Steve. Yeah, I agree. I think next year is going to be a, a pretty loaded draft class for Utah. We put together a list of guys that, you know, could potentially, um, you know, whether it's improve their stock or put themselves on the map, and we came up with 12 guys that we feel comfortable about potentially, um, you know, hearing their name called the next year's draft. So uh, pretty remarkable when you have so many guys that, you know, say, I'll hold off on the draft this year, come back, uh, you know, for an opportunity to, to win it all. Uh, it really says a lot about <clears throat> where these guys are at. But, you know, for, for their own, you know, personal careers, like, for a lot of these guys, it's going to help them in their draft stock next year. So, you know, it's uh, next year will be fun. But like you mentioned, so Utah is currently second in the Pac-12. They're tops in the Pac-12 uh, South Division uh, with 21 draft selections between 2017 and 2021. They obviously didn't have anybody uh, enter the draft this year. So that's, you know, in what, four four drafts, you're leading the South division where the, everybody else has had players enter and have five drafts, um, you know, to their totals. It's pretty remarkable. And then, you know, something that we, we look at all the time is, you know, obviously star rankings and all of that. You look at that with, you know, what is going on in the PAC 12 South. So Utah between 2014 and 2018, which is, typically the the recruiting classes that comprise the NFL drafts of 2017 to 2021. Um, Utah signed eight, four and five star players. Uh, and after their careers had 21 players drafted um, USC, they've had 20 players drafted, but they had 72 four and five star players. Ah. Um, that's a lot of talent being wasted. Um that really says where Utah is nearly three times, you know, their draft output compared to their four and five star, you know, class or signees. Like that's really remarkable. And USC is uh, more less than a third of their four and five star players being signed are, are being drafted. Same with UCLA. They had four forty nine 
um, four and five star kids and only 15 players selected. So just again, it, it just points to how um, how well uh, and, and how good this Utah staff is at, at player development. I uh, I want to add quickly, um, and then we'll, we'll we'll set everybody loose. But I want to add that 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 tells me anyway one of two things, and that, it's, that, that probably both of these things play some sort of a role within it. But I think uh, it goes to show how well Utah develops players despite star status. Um, and there have been a number of examples. Nate Fakafua, uh, who now Nate Orchard was one of them. He was like a two-star guy out of Highland High School. Star was like a two-star kid out of Snow College. I mean, they've had so, so many of these guys that uh, that were just weren't sought after in high school or junior college, and, and turned out to be perennial um, weapons not only at Utah but across the entire conference, and then. You know, they've obviously had serious, seriously long and prosperous NFL careers. So, so I think that plays a role. But I also would like I, – I, part of me, Steve, also thinks that to, to try and put a star rating on, on somebody's name at, at 17, 18 years of age is also incredibly difficult. And I think what, what it also says is that some players, maybe a lot of players, I don't know, that they, they actually find their feet – and play their best brand of football maybe uh, at twenty twenty one, um, because there is a jump from high school, significant jump from high yeah. school to college, and I, I have to think that really really good players in high school don't always equate to really really good players in college because the level is just not the same, uh, and so trying to find those really really good players in high school that you're confident will will will, will transform into really really good college players is probably it's probably part of it as well. I would have to assume um, because it all, you know, I, I remember playing Australian rules football back in the day um, and I was in seventh grade. So I would have been 12, 13 years of age. And I remember you know, playing against this kid from another team that was just like three times the size of anybody we had on our team. Like he just grew really fast, much younger than any of us. And it was like, yeah. you, like you couldn't do anything about it because he would just run through you and you couldn't stop him. Like seriously, was, you could not generate enough force to stop this man running through you. And so you were just done for. But then what happened was he played professionally and he actually didn't even have that long of a career because he was playing with guys similar size all of a sudden. And, uh, and he didn't last that long. It was like a couple of years. And next <laughs> thing you know, he's bloody plumbing. You know, he's cleaning pipes at your your in-laws' toilet. Like, and I think that's the same thing out here in the states. Is college, at high school football, although it's a very high level, the jump is so significant. You just don't know. There's always risk associated when it comes to recruiting. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And I think you know, for a program like Utah, where <clears throat> I, I think when it comes to to you know these star ratings. When you go to these camps and you go to these events where a lot of kids, hundreds, thousands of kids are, like, it's really obvious um, when you see a, a guy that you think is a four-star or five-star talent, it's pretty obvious. Uh, there's, I went to a, a Brighton um, practice last, last year, um, and they were just, you know, they had pads and, and helmets on, and I took a picture of – the of Brighton's team, um, the defensive unit, and Lander Barton is there. You know, he's six foot three, six foot four, 210, 220 pounds. He's ripped up, he's jacked, he's got a six pack, and he's standing next to these other guys where you know they're like me, they're like 5'11, six foot, 220, a little, little husky. You know, it's when you see these kids. Um, usually, you know, it's pretty obvious that there's some talent here. Obviously, when you're ranking kids like this, it's all objective, right? Yeah. It's all just a matter of opinion. And and so it's – a lot of it is – so the, the five-star guys, you know, that stuff, those are the obvious talents. And sometimes they hit and sometimes they don't. But, they but when you're getting often. into – yeah, yeah, Five and they do more often than four stars, right? Right, right. And um, you know, I think I saw something on Twitter where sixty percent of 
um, five stars in a class was, was drafted or something like that. And so it's, it's pretty good. If you're a five-star kid, you're usually pretty good. Um, and it's just obvious when you see it. Uh, and, um, where was I going with this? You're probably going to say uh, something like when you get to the four star guys, it's, it's a oh, bit yeah. harder to, oh. because there are more four stars than there are five stars. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. Yeah. So when you're getting into, you know, Utah, when you're getting to a program like Utah, which relies on player development, um, you've got to project, you know, it's not as up. You're recruiting kids where it's not as obvious. You've got to project a lot better. You've got to look for specific things where you feel, um, and Kyle Whittingham has talked about this. You got to recruit kids that have, um, you know, certain things that you look for, but that you feel you can develop them in other areas because it's just missing, whether it be, you know, he needs to, to add weight or he needs to improve his technique or he needs to, you know, just kind of refine his body. It's those types of kids where, you know, that's where projection and, and where Utah is really, really good as a staff is, you know, they've got, they've got it figured out, man. They've got, I don't know what it is, but they've got the secret sauce to, you know, player development, to projecting and evaluating these kids and, and projecting them where they're going to be in three to four years. Which is really hard to do, by the way. Like, it is. Like most coaches, most coaching staffs, I mean, they work night and day trying to figure that out. And 40 years down the road, they still they still have a hard time trying to do it. So the fact yep. that Utah has been able to, to put some sort of formula together um, and some sort of understanding amongst all of the coaches as to things to watch for when scouting and recruiting. I, I, yeah, testament to them, man. That's uh, yeah, that's no joke. That stuff's that stuff's the real deal. So uh, he's Steve Bartle. I'm Tom Hackett. It's it's, uh, it's been a pleasure, Steve. It's always a pleasure. But today fun, felt man. today felt really quite enjoyable and positive. It was fun. Yes. Positive. Which we, we had like. some laughs. Yes, we shared some giggles. Uh, at S Bartle two four seven is where you can find him. At Tom Khan Hackett for me, UteZone.com. Are you all right over there, Steve? KSLSports.com. Uh, just giggling. Yeah, just chuckling away. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week, or at least we'll try to be. Uh, you never quite know it with us. Sneaky, sneaky. All right, see you, Steve. Be well, man. And uh, look after that dog of yours, will you? Bye-bye. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.